Hi everyone and welcome to DataSox speaker series. Um, today we have with us Owen Mulcahy from DeepSeek AI and he's also a PhD student. So we will have a lot to chat about with Owen today. So Owen, just a, just a quick summary of uh, DataSox. So we are Ireland's first uh, student uh, data science society. And the main aim of the society is kind of bridge the gap between the industry and academia, like we're gonna, we're giving students opportunities to experience, you know, what real real life is like with with regards to work and data science. So we organize workshops, hackathons, and the speaker series as well. Uh, so this is actually our first uh, live speaker event. We've had uh, a speaker in about three weeks ago from EY. He was a senior consultant at EY, and you're our first live speaker. So. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself, so I'm Ahmed, and we have Sam as well, the auditor uh, of DataStock. And so, Owen, would you would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, so first of all, guys, thanks a million for having me um, on the stream. Just like to congratulate you as well um, for adapting to the times and giving a, a lovely offering to, to all your members as well. Um, it's a really enjoyable experience for me to be involved in. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of background on myself. Um, obviously, Owen's my name. Um, I'm a PhD student in the University of Limerick. Um, I'm in my second year of that. Uh, what I'm looking at is deep learning computer vision algorithms uh, based around kind of public safety and keeping persons safe um, at work and also in public. And as you can probably see behind me there, I've the, I've the merch up above. Um, I'm the CEO and co-founder of DeepSeekAI. Um, so that's a company that focuses on real world AI and again, human safety and protection. So what I've kind of been doing for the last year or so i suppose in in 2019 i was um one of the top uh, entrepreneurs in ireland the ibye competition um so basically the prize of that is you have um your county events where all different entrepreneurs will come and, and pitch and you will go from your county onto your region and then finally to 24 of the top entrepreneurs in the country uh, have, a, have a battle off up in google headquarters so that was, that was really good fun back in 2019 and I suppose on, on the nerdy side then as well, I was in the Engineers Ireland uh, competition for innovative student engineering. So I suppose I, I try to keep the mix there between the, the nerding out uh, and also the business side. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell uh, myself. That's brilliant. Um, so do you want to talk a bit about the uh, where you got the idea for DeepSeek and kind of what DeepSeek is doing? Yeah, um, so I suppose uh, back in the undergrad, um, I actually, I was in Limerick City um, and I, I witnessed basically someone entering the, the water um, in the city and, and saw the emergency response as it kind of unfolded. Um, and I just thought that surely there could be a way to introduce technology here to, to respond quicker to, to personal accidents and, uh, and these types of emergencies. Um, and then computer vision kind of perked my interest because I, I could see that you could use these cameras to monitor situations 24 seven um, and try and keep people safe, kind of like a guardian angel type approach. Um, so yeah, I started then um, my undergraduate project. So basically in UL, you can do a final year project where you can either propose a project yourself or you can pick one of the ones that are on offer. Um, and I proposed a project whereby you could use drone systems um, to use the camera on the drones to identify people in the water um, and then relay a response back to the, the rescue teams. So that's basically what I did. I created a vision algorithm uh, using a, a data set from a Norwegian university who basically got a drone out um, and flown it around the place and captured um, imagery of people in water at different heights and things like that. And I wrote an algorithm that basically picked out the person and said, look, you've got a person here in the water. Um, and it very much kind of grew from there um, on the company side uh, and also on, on the PhD side, um, moving towards kind of where we are today, yeah. 
And I think like as a person from Limerick myself, I think this is a, a really meaningful idea, you know, like growing up there in the city, unfortunately seeing the helicopters above the river is something you see very often, you know, much, much too often. So I think having something like this solution is really, really powerful, um, particularly in Limerick. But um, how have you found applying the, uh, the technology? Have you, have you looked at applying it elsewhere beyond, beyond just Limerick? Uh, yeah, um, so I suppose what we've kind of been working on, we, we did a project um, in Limerick, uh, what, what we called uh, Street Seek. Uh, so this was kind of basically around the COVID response, so it was using the cameras as well. Um, so what we did was we, we installed uh, two cameras in the city, so they're terminal cameras, um, just to keep privacy and things like that. They're not visual, so you can't identify anyone's face or even what they're wearing. Um, it's just purely heat sensing. And from that, we were able to count like the number of people that were on the street, uh, what direction they were heading, how long they spent there, and the social distance between them um, to see if, if that was um, being adhered to within the city. Uh, so that was another area where we applied our technology uh, to, to kind of great effect. That was a static camera systems. Um, so from there as well, uh, we're looking to install them on the bridges in Limerick and, and further afield uh, to alert um, kind of behaviors and gait and things like that. So if someone is spending a long time there and looks to be in a bit of difficulty um, that we can kind of respond or preemptively respond to, to certain events. Um, and also we're looking more recently at kind of manufacturing floors and things like that um, and exclusion zones. So if someone enters an area where they shouldn't be, where they could potentially come into danger, that we can preemptively uh, let them know that they are in immediate danger um, through an alert system. So really like the crux of, of the company and kind of the work I'm doing is, is around uh, using cameras uh, to identify these types of accidents that could potentially happen. Uh, and intervening or responding in a, in a kind of a, a faster, um, more accelerated way. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the, the big benefits of a lot of applications of AI is that it's transferable to other places. I think you, like, you're like you definitely a great example of that, like starting with, with drones and then moving into a completely different application. Um, so yeah, I think you, you you kind of summarized your findings with that uh, the, the, the city, um, yeah. the city in, a, in a report there last week, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely share that around afterwards. Um, so, Ahmed, you might have the next question. Yeah. So just a reminder for everyone watching, you can throw in your questions in the comments and we'll get to them. Uh, so, uh, Owen, do you mind telling us, so you've obviously done a lot with your with your project and your business. How, how do you manage your time, you know, running a startup as well as working on your PhD? Or is it, is it the same kind of project linked, you know? Yeah, um, I suppose, like, the productivity and stuff is difficult. Like, it's it's never easy to, to kind of try and run a business and, and do something as kind of time-consuming as a PhD um, at the same time. Um, but really, it's kind of like a, a kind of labor of love, so to speak. I, I mean, like, I really enjoy working on what I'm working on. Um, so having that energy to work on it is massive. Because um, it's never something that I'm like, you know, I don't want to be working on this today or I'd rather be doing something else. Um, it's always kind of to the front of my mind that this is kind of a passion project. Um, and as well as that, as counterintuitive as it sounds, taking a break is, is, is always important for productivity. Because if you, you're constantly hammering on with something, you could be putting time into into your work. But really, the output and the quality of it isn't there. Um, so just, you know, give yourself a chance to take a break and step back from something as well. Um, is kind of be my advice on that. Exactly, no, no. I agree. And uh, I would say with COVID and the lockdown, you probably mm. had time to spend on on your project, uh, on your business and your uh, PhD. 
like is there any you know certain tip you would give especially students uh, who want to like you know have a startup on the side and like uh also obviously study like would you recommend starting a business during your college years or is it too much for hassle you think yeah i think it really it kind of boils down to the individual um i think it's definitely something you can learn a lot from um like early in my college days i would have been involved in like kind of businesses or kind of projects that mightn't have turned into businesses but i would have thought at the time that they were nailed on to be a business eventually um but i mean if it's, if it's something that you want to if you see yourself running a business or you see yourself being involved in a startup i mean there's no better time to start than than straight away um obviously look for things like really good teammates um look for people that you can work with and that you can kind of achieve uh, things with um and definitely again it comes back to passion it has to be something that you really want to work on into the future that it's not something that you're going to give two months or three months but it's something that you're willing to give two three years of your life to um to make it really work yeah i think that's uh that's a great kind of way to put it but um uh do, yeah so do you uh what 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 do you say some of the key skills are that you picked up from running your own business um yes i suppose um i'm kind of as i mentioned before it's kind of half and half between like the engineering side and the kind of computer science side um and then kind of the administration and, and running and stuff um definitely prioritizing tasks is something i'm getting a bit better at um especially when you've landed on your plate you have to figure out you know what's what's the next thing to work on what's what's pressing and what do i need to do right now um so i'm getting like a lot better at that that's definitely certainly a skill i've gotten better at yeah so there's a, a question in here from the comments which i'll uh, i'll read out to you in a second but i think yeah. just one of the uh one of the the most notable things i i think about deep seek when i spoke to you about it last year was that you know as a as a social innovation project there's a lot of kind of benefits that come along with that in terms of in terms of grants and that type thing um do you want to talk about a little bit about the the reception of deep seek and, and how you found the support is it through college or through corporates or that type thing yeah i, I mean like ai kind of gets a lot of a kind of a bad rap or, or machine learning things like that you know like the articles and you might see in the in the times and stuff like that or the new york post you'll see like terminator type scenarios where AI is really bad and like it wants to to destroy the world and, and this that and the other um but i suppose we're trying to turn it on its head and say like you know if you if you're really conscious about it and you're moral about it that AI can actually be used to really help you um and just can be a tool um because that's what it is it's just a tool to make kind of a positive change on things um and i think like definitely the fact that there's a, like a, a social aspect that it's protecting people um people can get in, uh, involved with that and on board with it um whereas it's not, it's not entirely based around just trying to make money off people it's it's like this is actually a really good tool um it's going to help people in, in a really positive way so internally like an internal motivation that's massive as well and then like externally as well people seem to to kind of vibe off that yeah yeah and then i think just leading on to that question so I'll, I'll just bring up this question we had from from the comments so how would you compare ireland as a place for startups in terms of grants market access and angel investors uh yeah um i suppose uh for me it's it, it's good because obviously i came to the iboe that's probably a fantastic way to start if you're looking to to be early stage startup and you want to access some some grants um some advice as well advice is is massive it's, it's not always just about money uh, and that goes towards investors and things like that as well um we we're having some initial chats with a couple of different investors and what's really important for us is that 
you know, they can actually guide us um, in certain ways in advice. So uh, taking money and advice uh, nearly as paramount as each other. Um, but for me, I've, I've, I, found it, I found it really good so far. Um, obviously expanding just probably bigger markets uh, like America and things like that. Um, but I think for us right now, Ireland is, is definitely the best place to start. So we just have uh, an, another question here from the comments. So um, do you want to read that one out there? Yeah, so James is asking, uh, your idea sounds amazing. How did you develop the data science and programming skills for creating the algorithms used in the drones? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Cheers, James. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, so I suppose I didn't actually touch on it. I mentioned I was in undergrad, but I did an undergraduate in electronic and computer engineering um, in UL. Uh, so I suppose the, the programming skills and electronic skills kind of came from there. Um, and I did uh, cooperative placements in analog devices um, and electricity exchange where I was a full stack developer. So I've been coding since I was in fourth year in secondary school. Um, and I really just kind of honed those skills over the years and I, I kind of got better at them. So um, my co-founder as well, Kiran, is, is absolutely fantastic. He does a lot of our programming and he's a CTO of the company. Um, and he was won an AI award this year as well. Uh, so I mean, both of us can kind of work with each other in terms of developing it out um, and obviously building up the team as well of having a vision. I think that's really important if you're, if you're going to start kind of a technology startup or whatever your, your startup's going to be, you have to understand the underlying um, material of your startup. I mean, like if I wanted to go and start like a, kind of a food science startup in the morning, I thought, you know, that's really cool. Like I know nothing about food science, so I'm probably not the best person to have a food science startup. So like if you have an idea, make sure it's your passion and make sure you know a lot about it as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that answers the question there for you, James. Thanks uh, for your answer, Owen. Um, something that I noticed was that you went straight from your bachelor into your PhD, if I'm not mistaken. So like, right, yeah. what made you make that decision? Because I would say most students wouldn't go straight into a PhD. It's not yeah. a to make. Absolutely. Um, and to be honest, when I when I kind of mentioned to people that this is what I was planning on doing, I was got got a lot of kind of reactions like, "Why would you do that?" You know, like you, you can go and work, or I, I had like various job offers coming out of college where I could have probably earned uh, a good bit more money than I'm getting on the on the PhD and things like that. Um, but really, a lot of things came together, so it was kind of an extension of the final year project, and that was probably one of the, the funnest, most like enjoyable projects that I ever worked on because it was something like that was my idea that I was kind of driving the the design of and and um, I was kind of in charge of it. Um, so it kind of just moved really naturally on. And then one of the big things for like doing a PhD, everyone kind of says, if you look for advice on the topic is you have to really get on with your supervisors. Um, and I really did, like we had a fantastic relationship through the undergrad, they were the supervisors of my final year project. Um, and they kind of said to me, look, there's an opportunity to, to take this on further. And is this something you'd like to do? And when I kind of sat down and thought about it, it was really the only option to, to keep pushing with it and keep developing it. And I suppose I had a lot of work experience skills as well, because even in my first year of college, I went onto LinkedIn and I scrolled through like all the different local businesses that were doing tech. Um, and I found like a fantastic local business called Christie Exchange, where I just kind of cold texted the, the CEO and said, you know, I'm, I'm a bit raw here on the programming, but I like I've a lot of passion. I really want to get involved. And he said, yeah, I popped down for a meeting. So I went down, I met him. I met Paddy Finn from Christian Exchange. And um, I went in, I worked with him for a year and a half, two years. Um, during college, you know, during first year, I was I was running down in the car straight after my lecture, getting to work and working late in the evening, things like that. 
and then I did a lot of work in analog devices as well. So I did the did my co-op, and then I worked through college with them. Then I went back again for the summer. So I think like I had a lot of real world work experience, and I thought like you know this this academic approach might be might be good for the next couple of years because I had that under my belt already. I kind of know what it's about. Um, so I wasn't really going to be missing out on anything in the grad program. So. You uh, briefly touched there on um, how you how well you work with your your other co-founder. Um, how did uh, how do you think um, is the best way to go about looking for a person to to set up a company with? What do you look for in a in a good co-founder? Yeah, um, I suppose like I mentioned there, like looking for yeah, obviously looking for a partner. Um, the way me and Karan kind of started interacting was actually through college projects. Funnily enough, so like the minute a college project popped up. I'd be texting Kieran and saying like, look, we, we jump on that straight away. Um, and another lad who was in college with us, uh, Owen Breen, so like, you know, the three of us were always on every project we did and we just found that we really worked really well together. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm harping back to it, but again, it's just someone who's like passionate, willing to put into work, um, obviously highly skilled um, and just understands what they're doing. Like it's the, kind of the simple things, like there's no real complexity to it. And obviously a good working relationship as well and someone you can have to crack with or things like that, yeah. Brilliant. So we've got a, another question here from uh, from Con McPhillips. I'll just bring it up on screen. Um, so Con said, really interesting startup. Are you looking to expand across Europe or globally? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so like there's definitely kind of a global ambition to this. And uh, one of the products we're working on at the moment um, is to do with kind of static cameras and stuff. So we want to basically be a hardware zero company so that we can scale massively. So integrate into existing static uh, camera infrastructure and be able to provide a software layer of insights and kind of person detection and person personal safety type solutions, as I alluded to there with the kind of manufacturing floors and construction type industry. Um, so I think that's definitely on our radar and something that we're designing from the bottom up to, to be global. Yeah. That's great. I mean, well, sorry. 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 Um, There's another yeah, question there. We, we put it in there. So it says on the six website that it's mentioned that you guys have an interest in the application of AI in healthcare. Uh, so Paul is asking you to expand on the company's vision on how AI could be benef beneficial in the sector. Yeah, um, I suppose that's kind of like a mood board of, of where we can see ourselves going, but it's it's definitely probably not our, it, it isn't our, our main concern at the moment. Um, but I do know a lot of kind of PhD students in UL who are working on it. Um, and I think AI for healthcare will be, will be massive. Um, I know a lot of them are looking at um, the scans you might get from a radiographer and being able to pick out um, various different discrepancies within that image. Um, so I think it'll, it'll definitely be really useful. But what I'm kind of seeing in my own work and in other students' work is that it'll be an AI and human um, hybrid system. Because at the end of the day, we, we can't put full trust into these algorithms. They're, they're black boxes, um, especially the neural networks and things like that once you've decoded and once they've seen their their training data it's very hard to know when they're going to fail or or what they actually know um and that kind of that's actually part of my research as well looking to figure out what these algorithms know but i think absolutely healthcare would be, would be a huge industry in terms of speeding things up and then maybe having a, a professional um review these findings because at the end of the day uh humans are still the the, the top dog in terms of uh intelligence um for the moment anyway yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure as well, the new European Union laws uh, don't allow full, uh, you know, AI by itself. It has Absol to be... Absolutely. It would be it would be crazy to, to just let a, yeah. an algorithm decide everything for us, really. 
Exactly. Especially yeah. as yeah. I said, if it's a black box and it can't really explain what's going on. Absolutely. Okay. So, Owen. Uh, okay. uh, so, uh, this is probably more related to your bachelor degree. So like, what did you learn in college? Like, do you think what you learned was enough? And what was the thing that you learned in college that was most helpful? What do you wish you did more of as well? Like, is it like yeah. outside of we don't really learn that much in college. It's more the stuff we do outside of our curriculum. Obviously, we just learned the basics. So I, I you had a similar experience as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose if I was turned that on its head, I'd kind of say that nothing you learn will be useless to you eventually um it's kind of what i'm finding because sometimes what you're learning right now might be applicable to something you're working on outside of college but eventually you'll, you'll come back and you'll say you know when i was looking at matrices in engineering maths 2 that's really applicable to my convolutional neural nets here it's it's the same thing it's it's matrix multiplication things like that um so yeah I, like nothing you learn will be useless to you um but i would definitely say and i would have done it myself um outside of college and outside of your curriculum, always be looking to broaden your horizon, whether it's a new technology that's not in the curriculum yet, whether it's an interesting paper you saw or, or someone you're following on Twitter that's looking into something new. The college's curriculum will probably be like, it's the bachelor's is just like your nuts and bolts stuff, but always be looking to expand uh, your horizon and, and look into stuff that's not on your curriculum, definitely. I'd encourage that, yeah. So um, in terms of the future of AI, do you think that obviously algorithms are developing and improving all the time. Do you think that there needs to be kind of better sharing of, of, of progress in terms of research between kind of academia and industry and different regions around the world? How, what would your comments be on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can kind of see the trends towards um, the person with the most compute kind of has the best algorithm. Like if you look at GPT-3, I mean, that's topical right now. Um, and they have it behind a paywall. So you basically have to do API requests to, to use that. Um, so that's kind of like a kind of a worrying trend because the kind of collaboration isn't going to be there and the person that has the most money effectively because the money is going to be compute um, it's going to drive kind of a wedge in the community. So I think like we're, we obviously as well, like algorithms kind of have bias in them, whether it's like a, a detection algorithm for um, that that is trained on you know, different races or might have a discrepancy in the data set. Um, I think we have to be really careful with, with how we deploy it and look around the ethics of doing that um, and just try to put our best best foot forward and, and try not to create applications that are going to be unethical. Um, so that's definitely like on the top of my mind when I'm developing stuff is is try and keep it as ethical as possible and, and, and look for these things. So definitely, yeah. Sounds good. Um, Owen, you mentioned you uh, won Ireland's best young entrepreneur. So I assume that was with Deep Sea. Can you tell yeah, us more? I, did, I didn't go. I didn't go all the way. Now I, I only got. To, I only mm. got to the national finals, but I won. Uh, I won two things along the way. I won the Limerick and and then the Munster region. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. About, so that was the question. Sorry, there. I can... Yeah. So like, can you tell us about the experience? How did you get involved? Was it? Was it like how how good the experience was basically? Yeah, it was. It was brilliant. Um, kind of coming out of my shell a small bit and and just getting out there and speaking. Um, so it really brought me on a lot, opened up a massive network. Um, like, I mean, network is huge, whether it's in your studies or whether it's in terms of your professional life. Uh, um, I try build a network now, if you're an undergrad, um, reach out to people, LinkedIn, email, whatever the case may be, um, and just build out the network because you learn from them and you can lean on them for advice um, and things like that. And people are really receptive to, to answering. Like, I mean, 
if someone texts me, I'm going to answer them. And if I text someone, I, I'll probably get something back most of the time. So just don't be afraid. Reach out and build out your network. Uh, I think that'll be really good use of your time as well, yeah. So we have uh, another question from the comments here from Evan. So um, Evan said he loves the work DataSoc's doing. Thanks a lot, Evan. Uh, on how steep was the learning curve to developing your startup? Um, I'm probably still on it, yeah, exponential. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a ramp up, but I mean, like as long as you're making a few good decisions a day or, or learning a few new things a day, you're going to climb it. Um, so it's just about starting and just trying to figure out like what's the three best things I can do in one day. If you're treating as done, that's your kind of work done for the day. Um, yeah, it's it was steep. It's still steep, but uh, definitely enjoyable as well. So, you know. Brilliant. Um, I just have another question. So in terms of maybe growing your team in the future, do you see yourself going into recruiting soon or, or at some point in the future? And what would you look for in maybe a, a young graduate or student? When you're hiring absolutely yeah we we had two hires over the summer and they were absolutely fantastic um and we're looking to grow the team uh, very shortly and in, in the coming months we'll be, we'll be building out the team um so in terms of things we look for is in a startup anyway it's someone that roll up their sleeves and, and work away on anything um so you know if, if you're coming in with a knowledge of maybe front-end design or something that you're not afraid to go into the back end and start working on a, a database table if, if that's required because Startups don't have the luxury of being able to say, we have one database guy, one front-end guy, one back-end engineering. Everyone kind of has to just do what's required. Um, so yeah, I'd look for kind of someone who has not even a depth of knowledge. I'd literally, oh, the only thing I'd look for is someone who's willing to roll up their sleeves and, and get to it with a task. Um, that's kind of the main thing. Sounds great. I think, Sam, we've covered all the questions there. Is there anything else? Okay, we'll just encourage anyone else who's in the chat or yeah. watching, if you have any other further questions, just pop them into the chat and we'll uh, we'll run them by on. Um, I think if there isn't any in the next few minutes, we might just wrap up. But I guess I'll just say again, Owen, thanks a lot for, for coming on. Really appreciate it. I think the, the stuff you're doing with DeepSeek is really, really cool, really inspirational for, for any students who are interested in AI. You know, I think um, it's a real cool, uh, real cool story for people who might want to start their own business or or get into data science. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I'd, I'd say thanks very much as well for everything, guys. Really enjoyed coming on and having the chat. And uh, I assume my, my details are probably on, on the data stock page anyway, I think. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, has an extra question or, or that, I'm more than happy to answer. Um, just thanks to Ackman and Sam again for, for having me. Really enjoyed the experience. And uh, just lucky, lucky data stock members, I think, anyway. Um, to to, to put, on, put on a show like this. So thanks very much, guys. We, we got a question there. Oh, brilliant. Uh, we got a couple, actually. All right. Sam, do you want to go for us? Sure. So uh, Aoife asks, uh, Owen, what's a big growing tech sector in Ireland that you recommend getting into? Yeah, I think the tech sector is growing massively in Ireland across the board. Like, you obviously have all your buzzwordy stuff. So you have, like, AI and you have blockchain and cloud and this, that, and the other. Um, but, but I think... If you're from a startup point of view, look for a problem and try and apply your technology to fix it rather than look for the technology and then try to find the problem after. Um, and I suppose if you're looking to go into kind of a, a job type role then in, in certain sectors, I'd, I'd just look what I enjoy. Um, do a little hobbyist project if it's cloud, put together a server um, with, a, with a backend or something like that in a database. If you're looking to get into UI, put up a website, show it to your friends, um, just put something out there like the real artist ship 
thing that slogan is, is so true um and it's something i kind of didn't do when i was a little bit younger was i used to build things and put them in a box and put them away but you got to just throw stuff out there and even if it breaks like i i built i built an app for ul where um you could enter your your um, student id and it would send you back your whole calendar into your google calendar and i remember like the way i built it was it didn't scale well at all it was on like just one server um small server that could like run out of memory and stuff it was on aws um and then i was like babysitting it every night trying to like clear the cache and like people were coming on and texting me saying you know this didn't work and this that and the other but like i still learned a lot from shipping it um so you know just just put stuff out there um in the in the sector that you want to get into or the sector you think is interesting so right and we have one more question from rajit it's what kind of deep learning tools would you be currently working yeah um so we use pytorch um for our vision algorithms um we use sort which is simple online real-time tracking which is kind of an after the fact algorithm that, that runs on top of the detection boxes um from, from yolo so that's kind of the, the deep learning stuff we use a bit of tensorflow as well but we kind of actually prefer using pytorch in-house um obviously Python as well, just as the programming language around that. Um, and then we've built up all our other stuff, Node.js for the back end and, and things like that. Um, so there, yeah, there are some of the tools that we're using. Um, TensorBoard as well to have a look at our, our data sets and then just like plotting plotly and stuff like that within um, within Python to check the output graphs. Um, but yeah, that's more or less a roundup of tools. Brilliant. Um, so I think if we if we don't get any more questions in the next few minutes, we we might just wrap up. So I guess um, is there any other big milestones upcoming with uh, with DeepSeek that people can look forward to or keep an eye out on their, on your social media or anything? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I suppose what can I say and what can I not say? Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're in we're in kind of talks with uh, a couple of different people for kind of expanding the team and things like that. Um, so there could be something interesting coming there shortly. And um, there's a couple of different projects coming up as well. So we're looking at uh, deploying things in manufacturing centers um, over the next couple of months. And we're also looking at deploying stuff within the city again um, and kind of further expanding our offering for uh, public safety in, in the city. Um, so yeah, there's, there, there's a few things coming up and we're really excited about the projects that are on the way. Brilliant, okay, we might just take one more question and then wrap up. So this is from Eva. Eva asks, how do you think society will change when GTP3 comes more widely available? So maybe this is outside your domain, but you're welcome to speculate. Yeah, um, like I've seen, I've seen some really cool things uh, built by it. Like um, I saw like a, a cron job maker where you could like put in like a sentence and say like, you know, like give me a cron job and it just spat you back out one. Um, I saw like a, a front end one where someone typed in like a requirements for a UI and they said like, give me a, an input form and give me a button and this, that and the other. And the next thing, the whole, the whole thing got populated. So like, um, you know, you could speculate and you could say like, you know, will, will front end uh, design jobs be replaced by uh, a GPT-3 thing where a client can come and say like, give me this and the next thing your whole website's built and you no longer need a designer. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Um, but I think it's, uh, it could be good and bad, I suppose. I think a lot of people think that this GPT-3 is general AI. Uh, they think it's like an actual general AI, but it, it's not. Um, we're not quite there yet. So um, I think, it, yeah, there'll definitely be some changes for good or bad. I think we'll just have to see. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the time people just see, you know, our, our successes or your successes on LinkedIn and just think that mm -hmm. everything works out. Has there any been an occasion in Deep Seek where you've tried to apply something or tried to work on a project and it just hasn't worked out? 
Oh yeah, yeah, you're gonna have a lot of that. Um, definitely don't use the LinkedIn as the as the blueprint of the day today. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, the plenty of times where like even early in our, our project here for the for the street seat one, um, you know, our cameras were going down because we had a few hot days in a row, and the next thing our compute unit got a bit too hot, and we had like a 4G dongle, and that stopped working, and you know, you have to kind of firefight those things and go back to the drawing board, and you're kind of pulling your hair out um, on an engineering side, and then obviously deals fall through or you might have something that's lined up and it just doesn't happen it's all part and parcel of it really um you got to be ready for that you got to have a thick skin um so yeah i mean there's ups and downs anything in life business academia life in general you just have to be able to, to keep going with them um so yeah definitely there's ups and downs okay so we've got another question here Akbar, if you want to read it out uh, yeah, so Emma's asking, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self, and what would you do? Would you do anything different? Yeah, I think I think actually already I half already answered this one. So if I was to put a nutshell, I'd say just like put more stuff out there um, in what you enjoy doing. Just put it out there and let people see it. Um, whether you're creating music or whether you're creating code um, or whether you're a writer, uh, just get it out there and and let people see it, and it'll just make you better for it. And and just start earlier as well. Definitely. It's a great question, Emma. Okay. Well, I think on that note, then we might just wrap up for this evening. So once again, Owen, massive thank you for coming on. I think really interesting talk, fantastic stuff you're doing with DeepSeek. So really glad to have you on. Thanks very much, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Owen. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. See you. Thanks, guys. Bye now.